0: Let us now open our Bibles, and this morning let us turn to the Old Testament, to the book of Psalms, and let us read from Psalm 88. Psalm 88, this is also our text for this morning's sermon. Psalm 88, the title is, A a Psalm of the Sons of Korah to the Choir choir Master, according to Mahalath. Leonoth, a maskiel of Heman, the Ezraite. And hear then the word of our God. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness, or your righteousness in the land of the forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and closed to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I'm helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. As I mentioned before, the text for this morning's sermon is then found in the passage we read from Psalm 88. Psalm 88 is considered one of the darkest psalms as we have it in the book of Psalms and after the proclamation of God's Word let us respond by singing from hymn 41 the stanzas 1 2 and 3 beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ dark depressing dreadful distressing These are just a few words used to describe the mindset of the writer of Psalm 88. In fact, this psalm has been called the darkest psalm of the entire book of Psalms, full of dark and despairing emotions, and there seems to be for the psalms no light at the end of the tunnel... At the end of most laments of sad songs in the book of Psalms there is a turning towards God and praise and thanksgiving but in this one you see none of this it's like there's no obvious hope even at the end let me say of this psalm yes darkness of darkness all is darkness although as we will see There are glimmerings of light in this psalm and like so many other psalms this psalm is shockingly real there's no pretending happiness here no fake smiles here this psalm shows that sometimes God's children have difficult distressing and very dark lives And actually, don't we all as believers have our times of difficulty and distress and darkness? Perhaps not to the extent that the psalmist has here. And yet we know who we have to pray for in our congregation. Some of us have to suffer with severe illness, which brings us close to death. Others have to undergo life life endangering surgery or ongoing medical treatments which leave them completely drained still others among us deal with the loss of loved ones to death and they have a hard time carrying on in life and still others struggle with past abuse which drives them even towards suicide and what about those who live with those who are going through all these difficult things it's not easy to go alongside those who are in distress, and you can be pulled down into the same darkness and despair. Now, sometimes these these experiences of darkness and despair are short lived, but sometimes they go on for for a long time, as we see with the psalmists. Now here in this psalm, Psalm eighty eight, we we see the psalmist opening up. You could say he unburdens himself. There's no stained glass view of the Christian life here, not at all. The psalm is raw, it is regal. You could say the psalmist is singing the blues here, and he's singing deep blues. And it's so easy to despair, to lose hope, so easy to cry out, yes, why, why, Lord? Why did you do this to me? Why did you give me this burden to bear? Why do you make me go through so much darkness and dread? And yet, as you and I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there is hope. There is someone who we as believers can turn to time and time again. There is someone who we can share all our troubles and trials with. Thanks to what Jesus Christ experienced in our place. There is one who we can cry out to, and we can cry out to him repeatedly. This is our Lord and our Heavenly Father, the God of our salvation. And so let's hear God's word this morning summarized in this way. Even in darkness, let us continue to call out to God. And we'll look at the first cry, the second cry, and then the third cry. Now, beloved, the psalm before us this morning is is the last of several songs of the sons of Korah when you look through the book of Psalms you'll see that there's a collection of songs written by these sons now these sons of Korah they were from the tribe of of Levi the tribe that the Lord God had set apart for the service in in the temple in his house in Jerusalem and this, these sons were specifically appointed by King David then to, to sing in that great choir in worship there in the temple. Now with the title over this song, we're also told something more. We're specifically told who wrote this song, this Mesquil. That's what it's called here. And his name is Heman the Ezraite. He too is a Levite. He too is a son of Korah. And as you can read in 1 Chronicles 6, King David had had appointed him to minister, to serve before the Lord with music. And it is Heman then who wrote this song that we have in front of us. And in this way, you can see Heman as a prophet. God the Spirit inspired him to to write this psalm, this very dark psalm. Now we also read in that Titles Some Other Words. It's also said to be a song according to Mahalaf Leonov. Those are Hebrew words. They haven't been translated into English. Can't be completely sure what those words mean. These words could possibly describe the contents of the song. A song filled with darkness, with despair. Or these words could also refer to the tune or the musical instrument appropriate for accompanying such a song in this case this is a sad song this is a real lament and we can see that it is a lament just look at the opening words of this song here you have heman crying out he's calling out to the lord god in prayer just listen to what he says here to god oh lord god of my salvation i cry out to you day and night let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to hear my cry. Now, this is not the only time we'll hear these kinds of words in the psalm. For as we'll see, we have the psalmist crying out to God not once, but not twice, but three times. You look ahead to verse 9 you read similar words there he says every day i call upon you i spread out my hands towards you and you go a little further in the song you go to verse 13 he says it then again "O lord i cry out to you in the morning my prayer comes before you and so as a result you can say that this psalm is one long desperate cry out to the lord god the god of our salvation he's crying out as it says here his day and night before god you can see he's very emotional as he's praying here. And being so emotional as a result, the psalm is not so neatly organized and structured as some other psalms. And in this way, you can see this psalm is, is repetitive. And you could say that repetition is true to life. When people are distraught, they tend to repeat themselves like the psalmist does here. What we see here, too, is that the psalmist is, is persistent in prayer. He offers up to God this continual, humble dependence upon him. And in this way, you see, this psalm is not really as dark and despairing as we might think. For with this repeated crying out to the Lord God, we see that the psalmist has not lost his faith in God, as some have suggested. We can even say that the psalmist is living with God very much in his mind. He's living with God very much in in his life. Even as he struggles with darkness and despair, he is living here in communion with God. He's trusting in God. We see him here, yes, that he knows and he can speak to God. And he speaks of the Lord God as the God the faith of the psalmist is evident here. Even though his faith faces severe challenges, he keeps praying in faith to God, the God of his salvation. He knows that the things he's facing, such as distress and darkness and death, really cannot separate him from God's saving love. And, beloved, let us also be encouraged to do the same, to continually call out to our God in prayer and call out to him not just when things are going well, but also when things are not going well. Yes, cry out to him day and night. Also, when we face distress and darkness in those situations, it so easily becomes sporadic and listless in our prayer. Yet the call here in this psalm is to fervent and constant prayer to our Lord God, As the Lord Jesus said himself in Luke 18, will God not bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? And so, beloved, let us take whatever burdens our hearts and our minds and bring it all to the Lord God in prayer. Let absolutely nothing we face discourage us from continuing in prayer to our sovereign Lord and Master, Now, even though Heman confesses God as a Savior, at the same time we see that his soul is is weighed down by immense troubles that severely compromise his physical health, and they threaten to hasten his death. Here is someone who is so weak, and you'd say, on the edge. Here is someone who prays and keeps on praying while everything else in his life is screaming against his belief in God, a God who saves. Just listen to what he says next of God. He says to him, My soul is full of troubles. My life draws near to Sheol. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm a man who has no strength like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more. They are cut off from your hand. What an outpouring of despair. You see he's in a deep, deep valley here. My soul is full of trouble. You can say he has reached his limit; he can't take it anymore. Everyday life is pretty bleak for for the psalmist, for him, and he also says here, "My life draws near to Sheol." We're looking at someone who's near death here. Sheol is a word with <coughs> several different meanings. Here it means death. He's on the verge of death. And he says that again, there's parallelism typical of Hebrew poetry. As he says also, he is counted of those who go down to the pit, and the pit here is the pit of death. And then he adds he has no strength. Suffering from some critical disease or facing some other life threatening situation, he feels so helpless, so weak. It does make us wonder <clears throat> what was wrong with the psalmist here? Some suggests that he was stricken with leprosy, and as a result, he was physically dying a slow death. There are other diseases that bring a slow death. We know about those, don't we? And regardless of which disease or sickness he's suffering from, <clears throat> it was fitting for him to say here, I'm a man without strength, with whatever disease or illness or other difficulty he had, all the life was being drained out of him. All his vitality, all his strength was being sapped. His life was ebbing away. He was a mere shadow of what he was before. And he also said he was like once set loose among the dead. He was like the slain lying in the grave. Like those whom you, God, remember no more for they're cut off from your hand. From, yes, from the perspective of living life in this world, Death seems to be the end and the end for everything, <clears throat> being cut off even from God's care. Now, if He was sick with some kind of leprosy, he would have been cut off also from God's presence in his temple, from even being among God's people every day. He would have been forced to live alone, away from all people, from all community. He would have been shunned by his fellow believers. He would have been someone whom it seems as though God has forgotten. What really hurts him is that his friends, his companions are not there for him anymore either. That's what he says there to God in verse 8. You have caused my companions to shun me. You've made me a horror to them. I am shut out so that I cannot escape. My eye grow dim through sorrow. <clears throat> When we deal with despair, when we deal with death, we often seek solace in the companionship, and the encouragement of family and friends and fellow believers. Yet here for Heman there is no such comfort. Like, Like Job, Heman's close family and friends had turned away from him. Whether because of the indignities of his physical suffering or their inability to say something that was helpful, that was edifying, whatever the case was there, was, there was no support from these loved ones. They were nowhere to be found, you would say. And yet at the same time, at the same time, Heman sees that God is sovereign in all of this. And he's in full control. He sees all what's going on here as God's doing for... Just look at what Heman says to God here in prayer. In verse 6 and following, he says, You, you have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions of darkness. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me you have made me a horror to them and the psalmist is right these difficulties in life just don't happen on their own they ultimately come from our heavenly god and father do they not indeed we believe with the psalmist that god governs all things including health and sickness good days and bad days nothing comes by chance everything comes from the hand of our heavenly father and as Job put it so well, shall we accept good from God but not trouble? And so it appears, yes, that God has put the psalms in the depths of the pit in the regions dark and deep. God's wrath seems to lie very heavy upon him. The hot waves of his wrath threaten to envelop him completely like he's drowning all the time. Now when you look at these words, these words of Heman, which speak of such great suffering, let us also realize that these inspired works also speak of someone else's far greater suffering. And in this way Heman is not merely speaking of himself, he is prophesying here of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, it was Heman who cried out to God there in verse three, My soul is full of troubles. That beloved, in the garden of Gethsemane, it was our Savior who expressed similar torment when he said, My my soul is is not merely troubled, it is overwhelmed with sorrows. Yes, to the point of death. It was Heman who expressed his fear there in verse 7. And he would die under the terrifying wrath of God. And our Lord Jesus, he did more than fear such a prospect. He actually endured the terrifying wrath of our God. The cup of God's wrath did not pass Jesus Christ by. He died. He died under the weight of God's heavy wrath. And yes, Heman cries out there in verse 8 about being shunned, of being forsaken by his companions, by his loved ones, but was not our Lord Jesus Christ? Forsaken too. Was he not forsaken by his closest companions, by his disciples, but also by his Father in heaven? Yes, he suffered the full horror of being forsaken by his Father, crying out to him, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He endured the curse of God. He endured death in all its strength. Yes, he had death come upon him physically spiritually and eternally there was darkness yes he cried out in verse 8 about being put in the depths of the pit in regions dark and deep yet it was jesus christ who was was put in even greater darkness there on the cross he hung in three hours of unprecedented darkness in that way he endured waves upon waves of God's wrath against all our sins. He truly descended into unspeakable hellish agony for our sake. Thus we have been saved by him from the wrath of God from everlasting darkness. And that brings us to our second point. We have that second cry. We are coming to verse 9b. And once again, Heman, the psalmist, he cries out to God. He says, here every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands towards you. And this is what God's people did back then when they cried out to God. When they prayed to God, they would spread out their hands to God. This was their posture and prayer before him. And what else does the psalmist say? As he calls out to God, he asks God a series of questions. He asks, do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon, which which is the place of destruction? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? What we have here in these verses, in the verses 10 through 12, is a series of questions, rhetorical questions, questions which for us expect the answer, no. He's basically asking, is there some, any benefits from him being dead? The psalmist is sounding pretty desperate here. Now we might be thinking to ourselves, doesn't Haman believe in life after death? Doesn't he believe that people when they die they go to heaven and they praise God forever? And we can be confident that Heman believes in, in life after death in the glory of the new heaven. So how do we understand these words of Heman here? Well the point is that once life is over here on earth there's no opportunities to praise God here on earth. And that's what Heman is going to speak about. He's seeing that, yet when you die, you are not going to praise the Lord God here from earth. From the perspective of those living here on earth, yes, the dead do go silent. You stop hearing from them. And that's true also for us. When we die, our bodies are put in the grave. No more praise is going to be coming out of our bodies while we lie in the grave. So what are we to make of these questions? as he puts these questions forward he does speak of the lord god again god's name is mentioned here not merely god's name but also his characteristics his his qualities it says something thereof is steadfast love his faithfulness his righteousness we see here that even though Heman sounds offensive because of his burden he He still believes that God has these attributes, he has these qualities, these characteristics. And with these questions, you can say the psalmist is crying out to God to do great things on his behalf. And the Lord God does. He does in Jesus Christ. When on Easter Sunday morning, God called them up from the deep pit of death. When he showed his steadfast love and faithfulness for us sinners. When he gave his son's perfect righteousness to us as sinners. In this way God has freed us from the power of death and darkness and despair. Jesus Christ is the son of righteousness and glory. Dawning with his healing light he has put all gloom to flight. Indeed, the fulfillment of the psalm's darkness in Christ means nothing less than the bright glory of eternal life for us. Christ took every bitter darkness of the psalm upon his own body and soul so that we might enjoy the light of everlasting salvation. And then he calls out again. We have that third cry. And just listen to what he says the third time. It's like yes, the Psalmist is repeating himself here. He says, But I, O Lord, cry to you in the morning, my prayer comes before you, O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up? I suffer your terrors, I'm helpless, your wrath has swept over me, your dreadful assaults destroy me, they surround me like a flood all day long, they close in on me, you have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me, my closest friend is, is darkness. You hear this last part of the psalm, you see that nothing is really getting any better darkness and despair continue in fact you could say these closing verses are the darkest part of the song for tell us what is he telling us here he's telling us that he's been suffering since his youth and he is in as it says here in despair the literal word means he is distracted his mind is all mixed up he's you, you have trouble thinking straight here that's the intensity of the suffering he's enduring and it's, it's constant. It's like sweeping waves of a flood. And he feels like he's literally drowning. He's being destroyed slowly but surely. God doesn't seem to be relenting in any way here. And what is even more devastating, as he says it again, his friends, his close friends have abandoned him. In fact, he says more precisely, God has caused them to, to shun him, to cut him off. He's alone, he's utterly alone, terribly alone. He's no shoulder to cry on, no arms wrapped around him in love. There's no one there for him except, as he says, at the very end, darkness. There's only one friend, and his name is darkness. And this is how he ends his prayer. He ends this song on you would say on this very dark and depressing note. Darkness is literally the last word in this song. And what are we to do with this dark and apparently hopelessness in the song? In this way, God reminds us that we as believers may face dark situations of despair and situations that have no easy resolutions. And with this song, we see that it is fine. It is fine to cry out to the Lord God in our affliction and in our trial. We can keep praying even in the darkest places of our lives. We can use these words. By including this dark end to this psalm, God shows that he understands the most desperate cries of our hearts. If we think no one understands, he does. As we read of Jesus Christ in Hebrews 4, verse 15, he has suffered and has been tempted in every way as we are. Jesus was there. And as we read in that same letter, the letter to the Hebrews, he that is Jesus Christ offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. As Jesus truly suffered, He truly struggled with the prospect of crucifixion there in the Garden of Gethsemane. Although the light of the resurrection stood in the future, he was overwhelmed with the darkness of the pit, the prospect of death on the cross. And remember, his human life did end in full death, in full darkness. He suffered death like no other. He suffered the full force of darkness there on the cross. You could say darkness was truly his friend. And because darkness was truly His, friend, nothing, not even darkness or disease or despair shall separate us from God's love in Jesus Christ. Thanks to Jesus Christ, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome. Thanks to Jesus Christ, we continually can cry out to our Father. No matter how dark and despairing life can become, the Father's ears are never deaf to our cries. His eyes are never blind to our despair. His errands never lose their grip upon us. For he will lead us, lead us through those dark valleys we face in our life. And from death's dark shadow, he will give us relief. And really, what is our dark sufferings and distress of today in view of what is to come? That great day of salvation... Of eternal glory and light with god as the apostle paul said i consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us revealed to us on the last day when we will enjoy full salvation when we will rise from the dead when we will be saved fully from yes darkness and the grave when darkness will not have the last word and when this dark world will be no more. Amen.